0: 674, made a Song of Invitation. 674. How wonderful it is to be able to sing the song we just sang. And to have a Savior that's now in heaven, who came to this earth and gave everything that He had for you and I. And we get to enjoy the blessings of Christ today because of what He did for us. And I want to say it's a wonderful time to be here with you. Uh, Welcome to the first night of our gospel meeting. Uh, Had to cancel the last two nights and the elders have informed me that I have 90 extra minutes to work in uh, at my discretion throughout the remainder of the week. And uh, We won't do all of that this evening, but uh, it is great that everyone has been safe. Uh, We thank the Lord that uh, you are all able to be here with us tonight. If you're visiting with us from the community... We especially want to thank you for taking the time and coming and visiting and and worshiping with us this evening. The Bible tells the story of one man. Everything in the Bible preceding the days of Christ points toward a Messiah or a Savior, and everything after his life that we read of in the Gospels and his sacrifice on the cross points back to that very sacrifice and how he expects his children to live today. You think about that in the Bible, the first three chapters, we see God create man, we see God bless man, we see God provide for man. And in chapter 3 of Genesis, we see the fall of man. And from that point forward, we see what? We see the plan of God to reconcile that relationship back to the relationship that He intended to have with His creation. That's the story that we want to tell tonight. And I want you to, as we study tonight, I want you to think about one man, and I want that man to be Jesus Christ. I want you to consider His life, I want you to consider His sacrifice, and I want you to consider His resurrection. You know, as Jesus walked on this earth, He was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, the Scriptures tell us. He was also tempted to give in to pride and arrogance and ego to exemplify himself to certain people. And and many people came to him and said, show us a sign. And he told those people, he said, there shall no sign be given except the sign of a man named Jonah. And tonight we're going to study about Christ, but we're going to study about Christ through the eyes of a man named Jonah. You know, we read the Bible and we read the account in Genesis chapter 3 of Adam and Eve being tempted and falling from the grace and falling from the estate that God had created them in in a perfect, innocent relationship with God. We read of instances such as Jonah of people we know who rebelled against the call of God and we see those in the first century that rebelled against the call of Christ. And I think oftentimes we're very critical of them, aren't we? And we say, Jonah, how could you not just go do what the Lord simply requested for you to do? Was it really that hard for you to just obey the Word of God? And we're very critical of them. We say, Eve, could you not just have withstood that temptation to eat that fruit? But before we're so quick to be critical of them, I want you to examine yourself. And be critical of yourself and understand that all of us have committed sin. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But I want to tell you, within the story and the account of Jonah, we see redemption and we see a second chance. I think that's the greatest thing that the gospel gives to you and I today. is hope. That even when we have rebelled against the call of God and we have all of us fallen short of His glory, there's still hope and there's still a promise of salvation, if we'll change what we're doing now. In Jonah chapter 1, the part of the story that most are familiar with, we see that God comes to Jonah and gives him a charge to go to the city of Nineveh and preach a message. It was a simple message. He said, go to Nineveh and say that in 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. It wasn't that Jonah didn't understand the words. It wasn't that Jonah didn't understand the call. Jonah didn't want to do what God told him to do. And we could talk about many different reasons why Jonah may have rebelled against God and not wanted to go to Nineveh, one of which is Nineveh was an evil city. (laughs) We think that Nineveh was just a place filled with people waiting for someone to come preach to them about God, which in one instance they were. But they were an evil people. There were people that hated God's people. It was the hotbed of the Assyrian Empire. It is said that they would flay the bodies of their enemies, skin them alive, and make mounds of those skins outside of the city, and place the flesh of those on stakes outside of the city, so anyone coming in understood what they were in for. And we say, Jonah, why couldn't you go to Nineveh? (laughs) Maybe Jonah feared for his life. We don't know exactly why it was Jonah rebelled. We just know that he did. We understand how dangerous the sin of rebellion is. And in 1 Samuel chapter 15, we see the account given of Saul being charged by God to utterly destroy the Amalekites. And he didn't do it. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15 beginning in verse 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king." Rebellion caused the kingdom to fall out of the hands of Saul and to be given to one named David. And rebellion was at the heart of Jonah. We think of Jonah being charged to go to Nineveh and to preach that message to Nineveh. And what do we see? He ran away, didn't he? He went to a port city of Joppa where he boarded a ship. From where he was when he received the message to Nineveh was about a four of six hundred mile journey. Where was he headed? It says that he boarded a boat headed for the city of Tarshish. Tarshish was located at the southern coast of Spain, about 2,500 miles away from where Jonah was. Jonah didn't casually stroll away from God. He was running as fast as he could, wasn't he? And we see that he totally rebelled against the call of God. As he was on that ship, the storm came upon it. All the men began to pray to their gods. And finally Jonah identifies himself and says, all this has happened because of me. He said, throw me over the side of the ship and the sea will be calm to you. They did so and what we see from that point on is ultimately the salvation of Jonah. And what we see is that God had prepared a way for Jonah to have the opportunity to do what God called him to do in the first place. You know, God had all right to destroy Jonah right then when he rebelled, didn't he? Romans chapter 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. It's been that way from the beginning of time. In the Garden of Eden when God said, Don't eat of the fruit, He said, Don't eat of it because in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. And any rebellion and any disobedience to the will of God, we understand, is sin, correct? Anything God has called me to do, I leave undone. That's sin. Anything God has forbidden me to do that I do, it's sin because it's a violation of His will. Whether that be morality, whether that be doctrine, whether that be anything that applies to my life within the will of God. Jonah rebelled. He committed sin. God had all right to destroy him. But the great thing about God is what? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now I mentioned this a little earlier that I want you to think about your own life. We're very critical of Jonah and his rebellion against God. I want to just throw a few things up here on the screen for you to consider about your life. And maybe ways that you and I have been rebellious against the call of God today. And when God said to do blank, did you say no? When God said, if you love me, keep my commandments, did you say, no? When God said, study to show yourself approved unto God, did you say no? When He said, visit the fatherless and the widows, keep yourself unspotted from the world, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, abstain from all appearance of evil, give no place to the devil, be ye holy for I am holy. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. If your brother trespass against you, forgive him. Love your neighbor. Feed the hungry. Visit those in prison. We could just sit here all night and go through all the opportunities that we have to rebel against God, couldn't we? So before we're so quick to be critical of Jonah and I came up with this lesson because we were reading the story of Jonah one night to our kids at home, and and Josiah said, that was so dumb. (laughs) It would have been so easy just to go, and I said, son, remember that? (laughs) I grabbed his head and I said, son, remember that? It is so easy to just obey God the first time, but how many times have you told God no? I don't think we would have to take very long to examine our life, probably over the last week. And we'd find something that we have rebelled against when it comes to the commands of God. But as we said, Second Peter three and verse nine, the Bible says, "The Lord is not slack concerning his promise,s some men count slackness, but as long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." You know, this applied to Jonah, but it also applied to a group of people in the city of Nineveh. God didn't want to destroy Nineveh. That's why He needed Jonah. Now, could God have cast Jonah into the sea and let him drown and then gone and chose someone else to go and to preach to Nineveh? Bet He could. But Jonah needed to learn a lesson. And his lesson serves as a shining example to you and I today of what God desires from His people. It's obedience, and when we fall, it's repentance. Repentance. You don't have to be perfect to be a child of God. In fact, you will never be perfect no matter how long you've been a child of God. And the great thing is God knows that when He calls us. He says, come to Him as you are. He said He didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to what? Repentance. And we sit in our church buildings and we act like we've done everything right. I want to tell you, brethren, we're as guilty as everyone else but we've found access to God through Christ. And Jonah was going to have that opportunity to find God through repentance. Jonah chapter 2, we see Jonah is in the belly of the great fish and we see him begin to pour his heart out to God. Jonah chapter 2 is his prayer to God. When you're desperate... When you're down and out, when the walls of life are crushing in on you, I want you to read Jonah too. Because Jonah knew exactly how that felt. And he petitioned God and he turned to God. And some of the words that are found in that prayer in verses 5 and 6, it says, The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms. Of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever, yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Could he have been at any lower of a point in his life? Isn't it sad that some people have to be brought to the lowest point of their life before they'll turn to God? Praise God that some of us get that opportunity. We read in Luke chapter 15 of a man we call the prodigal son. He woke up one morning in the pig pen and said, Phooey on this, I can go back to my father's house and serve him and be better than I am right now. And we see that today, don't we? We see people wake up from a life of sin and look for a better way. But for every one of those prodigal sons and every one that we see today that wakes up from that sin and turns their life toward God, how many stay in the pig pen? Tonight, where are you? You see, Jonah had his life taken from him. Because the moment he entered into the belly of that fish, guess what? He had no control. He was at the mercy of God, wasn't he? And everything that was going to happen to him from that point on would be determined by God. Jonah could not rebel any longer. Jonah could tell God no, never again, as long as he was in the belly of that fish. And when he was there, he woke up and he said, I'm down at the bottom. This is the lowest I could ever get in life. The Lord had a way of humbling him, didn't he? James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If you think you've got it all figured out, and you think you have all the answers, and you don't need the Lord's help, He's not going to give it to you. And one day you're going to wake up and realize how destitute you are, and how much of your life you've wasted without God. And I hope and pray if you have to be taken to that point in life that you'll respond the way Jonah responds and you'll pray to God and that you'll turn and you'll repent. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5 says, Likewise ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. See, Jonah didn't choose to be swallowed by the great fish, but he did choose to be humbled under the mighty hand of God. You see, his heart changed, didn't it? The minute he entered into the belly of that fish, don't you think that thought crossed his mind that I'll go to Nineveh right now? (laughs) I'm ready, Lord. I realize now what I've done. Give me a second chance. You ever felt that way? Maybe a certain sin or temptation that you struggle with and you give yourself over to it and you say, I'm never going to do that again. And then what do you do? (laughs) Go right back to it. But then there comes a point that you say, enough's enough. Whatever I have to do, To get myself out of this state, I'm willing to do it, but I can't do it by myself. See, now Jonah realized that it was time for him to do his part. God saved him. And in Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9, the Bible says, Jonah in his prayer as he's concluding that, says these words, But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving stop there for a second. He's in the belly of a fish. Seaweed is wrapped about his head. He's at the lowest point. And he says he's thankful. How quick are we to be ungrateful to God? The minute adversity shows up at our door... We say, why God? Jonah said, thank you God. Because it was through that adversity that God was doing what? Saving Jonah. And he prayed that prayer with thanksgiving. He said, I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. You ever think there was a more fervent prayer for salvation than Jonah? I can think of a few others in the Scriptures. Have you ever prayed that fervently to God in desperation, knowing there was nowhere else to turn, knowing you had no other avenue except the Lord? If we haven't, I don't think we fully appreciate His love and His mercy and His kindness to us as sinners. We have to realize that truly, without God, we can do nothing. And Jonah realized that. Second Corinthians chapter seven and verse ten, the Bible says that for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things, you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. And he's writing that to the people that he had written 1 Corinthians to and told them all the problems that they had. And he says, you repented. Not with the sorrow of the world, not just being sorrowful, that sorrowful that you got caught, not feeling bad that I was writing to you, but it brought about repentance. How sorry are you for the sins in your life? I'll tell you, I get caught into other situations. And sinful situations of people that got sin all in their life. And we go and we sit and we talk. And they say, I'm so sorry, I feel so bad. But they turn around and do the exact same thing. Guess what? That was the sorrow of the world. That was the sorrow that leads to death. He says there's another kind of sorrow that leads to what? That leads to repentance. Repentance. That changes the things that you're doing. That changes the behavior. And he says to the Corinthians, he said, look at the change that your sorrow brought about. And look at the change in Jonah. Run to Tarshish, but now what's he ready to do? I will do what I vowed to do. Whatever you ask of me, Lord, I'm ready to go do it. Now it took him being brought to the bottom to realize that. And rest assured, the Lord will bring you to the bottom if you want it to go that way. But we plead with you to come to Him now. Come to Him in the state that you're in today, if you haven't already. Don't wait for life to get too difficult to bear. And don't wait for other people to come point out your sin and try to bring you back to the fold of God. Come to Him now while you have the chance to repent. Then we get to Jonah chapter 3. If you would, turn in your Bibles and look at Jonah chapter 3 with me. It says, The word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. So wherever that fish spit Jonah up, it was three days away. Some scholars believe that was about 60 miles. He could do about 20 miles a day, and he'd be there in three days. And Jonah began to enter into the city, verse 4, a day's journey. You see, that's the thing about repentance is we're not lackadaisical when we repent. We're ready to go. Jonah was ready to go. A journey that should have taken him three days, he made in one. That's a turnaround. What kind of turnaround have you had in your life? You see, I can pinpoint a pivotal moment in my life. I think a lot of us can. I think probably most in this audience can. That you think back to your life and what you were doing, and finally it's something just smacks you in the face. And says, I can't keep doing this. And then you're faced with the decision, am I really ready to be all in for God? Like I said, I can point you to the minute that that happened with me. And from that moment, I had to make hard core changes to my being. <clears throat> and guess what? I still have to work on those hard core changes every single day. But you know, Jonah made that turn. And you can see it in his attitude. You can see it in his fervor and his zeal to go preach this message to these lost people. What did he say? Verse 4. Yet forty days and none of us shall be overthrown. Isn't it amazing? Just a few words. That's all God was asking him to go do. And he finally did it. And then verse 5 we see the reaction of the people. It says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them, even to the least of them. For word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? These people realized and said, if we're going to be saved, it's going to be by the mighty hand of God. You see, their repentance is reflective of the repentance of Jonah. But they didn't have to be put in the belly of a fish to realize that. Jonah came and preached a simple message, 40 days and none of us shall be overthrown, and look at what people did. Let's change what we're doing. Brethren, we have a message to preach this world that destruction's coming. Judgment is coming, and oftentimes, what do people do? Well, it's not coming tomorrow. And sometimes, arrogantly, I say, Man, I hope it does. <laughs> That's not true. None of us wish eternal damnation on anyone. And you can reject me all day long, and that doesn't matter. But at some point in your life, you better heed the call of God and repent. God's given you a chance today. God's given you this moment in time to change your life. Just as He gave Jonah. Just as He gave the people of Nineveh. God is gracious, isn't He? God is merciful. God gave them opportunity. And how many times do we see people today... Turn away opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And one day the opportunities are going to stop. And God's going to require your soul. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus gives a great charge to you and I. He says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We could apply that to all sorts of things, couldn't we? But the bottom line is you have to die to yourself before you can live to God. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, in this physical world, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. It's not about you anymore. It's not about me. It's about him. Every fiber of your being has to be about Jesus Christ. Because he's living in you. And if he's living in you, you're going to follow him, aren't you? If his spirit dwells in you, you're going to do the things that he asks you to do. And when you slip up, you're going to have a heart of repentance, as Jonah did at this moment. And look at Jonah 3 and verse 10. As Jonah preached that message of repentance, and those people fervently repented, sat in sackcloth and ashes, and fasted, the Bible says, and God saw their wishes, prayers, thoughts. Could he see their wishes, their prayers, and their thoughts? You bet he could. The Bible says he saw their works. And when he saw their works, what happened? He turned, they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that He had said He would do to them and He did it not. You see, when you come to Christ, it's not just a mental decision you make. Action must follow. Jesus didn't come and just teach and not live according to His own teachings, did He? So that meaning or that verse that we just read back in Matthew chapter 16 carries a little more weight now, doesn't it? When we think about following what Jesus did, following what Jesus taught, following His example in all things, what a great responsibility. Can we live up to it? God wouldn't ask us to do anything we couldn't do. And you know what responsibility is? It's the response that you give to the ability that God has granted to you. I want to ask you tonight, how are you responding to the ability that God has given to you? I want to tell you, we have intelligent men and women in the church who do wonderful work in the secular world. Why aren't we doing that in the church? You, You may be here. And if you are, God bless you. But I think about some of the minds that I know of throughout the brotherhood of men who go to work every day and dedicate themselves to a career and use the mental capacity that God has given them to do marvelous things. And I want to ask you, what are you doing for the Lord with that gift? Use it for His glory. Repent and do the works that God has called you to do. Luke chapter 11, Jesus commends those people of Nineveh to the scribes and the Pharisees that were debating with Him that day. And He says, The men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said that there would not be a sign given to them except for the sign of Jonah? And then He turns around and in another instance He uses the example of Jonah and the preaching and the people of Nineveh and their repentance to talk to the same group of people. And He tells them, He says, those people in Nineveh, as evil and wicked as they were, will rise up in judgment of you. Why? Because they repented. Other verses we read of are Jesus talking to the scribes and Pharisees and telling them that the harlots go into the kingdom before you. And you put yourself in the shoes of those people in the first century and you'd say, What in the world are you talking about? I'm religious, I go to church three times a week. I check everything off the checklist. I do everything just right. But if that's all your religion is, those in Nineveh are better off than you. Because it's not about having a checklist of ritualistic practices that we go through. It's about the change of heart to begin following the man, Jesus Christ. Nineveh had that kind of repentance. And God rewarded that. Psalm 86 and verse 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. God's not an evil God waiting and looking for opportunity to strike you down. God's the loving Father who says, Turn and come back to me who says, yeah, you've made a mistake, but there's always a place at my table for you. Now, that means we have to come back to Him on His terms. You can't just walk back in and keep doing the same things that you were doing and then feel okay because you're in the house because you're not in the house if you don't truly repent. But I want to tell you, God's waiting to forgive you. God's waiting for you to walk down that aisle and seek repentance from Him and show Him your repentance by your life. Turn over to Psalm 107, the 107th Psalm. We're going to start reading in verse 10. Psalm 107, beginning in verse 10. He says, Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. We ought to praise God that through the suffering that we might endure, we have a reliance upon Him. And we ought to be willing to show that and those praises to those that are around us. That means anything in life I suffer, guess what? I glorify God. Any challenge that lies before me, I glorify God. Because God will see me through it. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that sign that He told them would be given to them, that He would spend three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and then be raised again eternally, because of that, I view life differently. I view death differently because of the resurrection of Christ. I don't fear death, do we? Not if we're secure in the hands of God. I don't fear sickness and suffering. Do I enjoy it? Not necessarily. But even in the sickness and suffering, I glorify God. Because I understand this life is not all there is. Why? Because of the sign of Jonah because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Lord's calling you tonight to repent. There's a passage in the book of Ezra, chapter 9, starting in verse 13. It says, After all that has come upon us for our evil deeds. You understand we deserve exactly what we get because of our evil deeds and for our great trespass, seeing that our God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve, and has given us such deliverance as this. Should we again break thy commandments and join in affinity with the people of these abominations? Wouldest not thou be angry with us till thou hast consumed us, so that there should be no remnant nor escaping? If Jonah had got out of the belly of the fish... And then said, guess what? I'm going back to Tarshish and done it again. He would have been doing exactly what Ezra was talking about here. He says, Wake up, people. God's given us a second chance. Let's serve him. Brethren, we've got to wake up and realize we've got to continue to serve him. I don't care if you've been in the church 40 years, you've still got to serve him. It's not about not about coming to a building. It's about living a life that glorifies God every single day. When Jonah hit the shore, (laughs) he was ready to serve God, wasn't he? Because he realized how bad off he really was. The sad thing is a lot of us don't realize how bad off we are without God. Do you realize it tonight? See, God saved those people of Nineveh. He spared that evil city. You know why? Because he made them. And he wanted to save them. Then in Jonah chapter 4, what do we see? Oh, Jonah, how could you? I've got a hard head. I want to tell you it was a lot harder when I was about 16, 17 years old. Talk to my dad. He'll tell you. I want to tell you, Jonah's just hard-headed. He went and preached that message to Nineveh. He was fervent. He was zealous. God saved him. And then in chapter 4, what do we see? He's upset that God saved him. He wanted God to destroy him. Whether it be because he judged them as evil, or he just had such a hatred for those people. And then he turned to God and he said, I knew you were going to save them. You could have done that without me having to go tell them. I knew you were merciful. I knew you'd save them. That's why I didn't want to go, because you can do it on your own. But you know, God chose Jonah. And He chose him for a work, didn't He? Brethren, He's chosen us for a noble work to preach the message of Jesus Christ to this world. You know, 120,000 people were spared the destruction of God in Nineveh. And many cattle. (laughs) You know why? Because they repented and God loved them. Could God have gone ahead and destroyed them? Yeah. Just like He can destroy us. But what does He give us? He gives us grace and He gives us mercy. And He gives us opportunity. How sad it is not to have another opportunity. Jonah took advantage of his second chance. Tonight I want you to. You have some sin in your life that you need to truly repent of in godly sorrow? Do it tonight. The New Testament teaches us that for us to have salvation, we have to obey what the New Testament writers call the gospel. Just as Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days, three nights, and then came to life again by the power of God, our Lord was murdered on the cross was placed in a tomb and three days later arose to never die again. And he says, you have to obey that to have salvation. And we see that that obedience comes in one place and it comes in the act of baptism. That we die to sin We're buried into the death of Christ, coming in contact with His blood, and we arise to walk in newness of life. And if we stop preaching that message, brethren, we're not preaching the gospel. And tonight, if you need to do that, to have your sins washed away, to come in contact with the sacrifice of Christ, don't wait. This may be the only opportunity that you have. And the Lord requires your soul. Luke 15 and, 15 and 10 says, Likewise I say, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Isn't that marvelous to think about? Then, when I repent of my sin and my evil and the things that I've done, angels rejoice. Jonah didn't rejoice at the salvation of Nineveh. Angels did. I want to tell you today, if you'll repent and come to the Lord, angels will rejoice in heaven. And I want you to know you've got a building full of brethren that will rejoice with you as well. You know why? Because we've been where you're at. And a lot of times we're still there today, needing to come to the Lord take the opportunity tonight. Rededicate your life. We can do that with you in prayer. But if you need to become a Christian, obey the gospel, be baptized, to have your sins washed away, do that tonight. And we're here to love you and to assist you. And all you got to do is come to Him. Don't come to me or come to the church. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ as we stand and sing.